I was a little bit confused by that because it just shows question marks, so I wasn't sure which hymn we were on. God's grace and peace to you in the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. He's the Lord of life, and he gives each one of us the life that we walk into the sanctuary with. In Jeremiah, God came to a, a pretty young fellow and instructed him that he was going to be about uh, prophesying, standing up in front of people like this and proclaiming the word of God, and it, it rattled him quite a bit. And so the Lord said, The Lord told me before I formed you in the womb, I chose you, and before you were born, I set you aside for my holy purpose. I suppose a person could could pick up the Bible and say, well, I read through the first chapter in the Bible and it talks about how God created the world and so forth and he uh, probably then just sat down after that on the sixth day and took it easy and let the world just kind of go and cruise control. A person could then go to the second chapter of the Bible and I say, and say, well, I read that part too and it talks about how God created... Uh, and not only man, but he also caused man to multiply and that sort of thing. And so in chapter 2, it's about how the human process got going and so forth. God created it in the beginning, but it seems like that after that, that human life is basically a human event. Well, you could say both of those things and you would be wrong, getting the impression here that God just operated that way would be entirely incorrect. It's not what he said, it's not what he did, and it is not what he meant. God continues to take care of this world. He's still our creating and preserving Lord, and he's also the one who also sanctifies and gives us life too. So God is not sitting around. God is doing his task, and he is working as we speak here today. In fact, God works more than any of us in all this building uh, put together. What he did say is that he not only is about, but he also calls us to be about. And so you heard in the gospel lesson that he collected men to go and preach for him in the New Testament time too. And so God is deeply concerned, you see, about getting the word out because without it you die. His word is the word of life. He is the Lord of life. And he calls us to share that mighty good news. There is a hymn that you might be familiar with in the hymnal too that says, listen, listen, God is calling through the word inviting Offering forgiveness, comfort, and joy. Jesus gave his mandate. Share the good news that he came to save us and set us free. Yeah, 833. It's powerful. Love that one. Because it talks about exactly what God's plan for us is. God's plan for us is to tell the good news of life and to respect life.
because it's holy and it's from him. So we, we go to Jeremiah here and we see that God caused Jeremiah to sit up and listen to him about how he is the author of life, that he designed life from head to toe, and that he knew Jeremiah before he even had a head or a toe. God knew Jeremiah before he was physically formed. God knew Jeremiah before he was conceived in his mother's womb. God knows every human being prior to our having a face and body and all of that. And he tells Jeremiah that I not only knew you, but I, being God, have mapped out your life and your life includes that of being a prophet. I don't know that if they had a church youth group back in Jeremiah's day, but if they did, and Jeremiah was getting wind of this already, he said, I don't think so, Lord, not me. I don't think I can be a prophet. I don't, I don't know how to stand up in front of people and speak like that. I don't think I could ever do that. And that's when God says, I know the plans that I have for you to give you a future and a hope. Our youngest son, before he went off to Concordia, he had various Bible verses taped out and stapled, not taped, uh, taped, can't staple, on our walls. And uh, we, he had Bible verses, and Jeremiah, uh, right here, uh, 2911, was one of them. And God strongly used that verse in his life and still does today. So how do you think that you would have reacted if God had come to you when you were a younger person, and some of you are younger yet, how would you have reacted if God said, this is the plan that I have for you? Well, how do you react? Because God does speak to us this morning about the plan that he has for each one of us. Your life is no accident, and there's nothing coincidental about it. Our Lord tells us that he is the author of life, and he has something very special for you to do each day that you live. And so in Jeremiah's time, he came to know this. And Jeremiah began to believe that God was going to use him in this extraordinary way, and yet he was still a bit skittish about it because he knew about the church in his day. The people were defecting from God's word, and there was a big watershed coming where there were going to be even more people turning away from God's path, and that made him a bit more fearful. And God told him that he would still use him mightily and that he would stand in front of the people and he would give something to the nation and the church because they were tied together back then as what we call a theocracy we don't have a theocracy today there are no theocracies left god doesn't work that way we have the church and we have the state and so forth but so jeremiah was giving what amounted to basically being a state of the union kind of address if you will and he knew that when he stood there and he said the words that God told him to say, that there would be heat coming his way because the people would, a lot of them, 
would bristle at what he said. There had been other prophets before Jeremiah, and they had done the same thing, and some of them lost their lives because of that. These were tough people that he had to deal with. But God refused to let Jeremiah off the hook, and he said, no, my divine plan is going to stay and I'm going to use you while you are here on this earth, but I have plans for you long after that because there's something called eternity. And so God did do that. And Jeremiah did go forth. God knew him all along, even before there was such a thing as time. And so God began to gradually open up the map to his life. And show him, see, now you're here, and now you're there, and so forth. And that was necessary. As God's word is disseminated, as in the Old Testament there were prophets, and we read in the gospel lesson how Jesus collected the uh, men you heard about in the reading here today, we can see that God is very serious about getting his word out. It is a matter of life and death, that churches like this are here, that you have a pastor and that you have a community around you and there are people living and dying every day. But are they living and dying with faith in Christ? There is no bigger issue than life. Life and faith in Christ. And our Lord tells us that to reject the word of God, and we know that some people, many people are going to do that, that God is never soft on that kind of thing. When a human being or human beings are unrepentant and unreceptive to God's word and so forth, God says, well, that's okay. We'll just, uh, it'll all come out okay in the end. We'll just sweep all that under the rug. No, God doesn't do that. God is good. God is gracious. God is also our Father. But God is also just. And he says that those who turn a deaf ear to him will be lost. That it's a major thing, the most major thing that could ever happen. He wants everyone to see their sin. And in our church, Lutheran church, we call that when you preach the law, people see that our lives are nowhere near what God wants, wants it to be and demands and requires it to be. And yet there is good news for those who are sorry for their offenses to God. With repentance, they hear the good news of forgiveness of all sins and life forever in heaven because of Christ. So he tells us here today, who speaks to us about our life and the mission that he's given us and implications that we have in revering and respecting the sanctity of life too. Life is a gift. Life is a gift. It happens when you and I were conceived and when we were born and God knew us too, though, before all of that even took place. Before I knew you, God can say, I, I formed you and I chose you. God knows actually every person before 
because God is omniscient. He knows everything. Do you know what that means? That means that every life matters and that God has a special plan for every single person in the universe. There's nothing that is just by happen chance. And that includes the unborn. The unborn are valuable in his sight too. And that means that no life should ever be taken lightly. No life, whether it's up and around like this or still living in the womb, should ever be treated as a mistake, as an accident, as a happenstance. Even if two human beings got together and a child was conceived and so forth, and they might call a mistake, God says that every life is valuable. And so our Lord tells us that when a child is conceived, even, even in a manner that was contrary to God's word, even if it was conceived in a time of violence and so forth, that child still has an eternity. And so any attack, any attack, on this child is simply offensive in the sight of God. He calls snuffing that life out as murder. He calls it genocide. A human life sacrificed for what sometimes people say is expediency. And worst of all, there are those who refuse to agree with God's plan and intentions, and they say, we're going to do what we want to do anyway, anyhow. And he tells us and shows us in the Old Testament, as well as in the time that we live in now, that there is no nation, no matter what the initials might be, if you can have an U and an S and an A in it, if you do not respect life and the sanctity that this is a holy matter from God, there will be consequences for that sin. Is there any greater offense that a nation can give than destroying life that is created by our holy God? You can pass a law and say, well, it's now okay because of Roe versus Wade. But God says, not in my book. You can have an organization that says, we plan and we parenthood, and they don't do anything about planning and parenting, but only destroying life. They don't even do mammograms. All Planned Parenthood does is abort children. There will be no nation that will be excused of this. That's clearly unquestionably God's unvarnished message here. He's the author of life and he calls us as the church and we may be facing more difficult times as we in the church can be persecuted if there are going to be some of your funds and my funds now going to Planned Parenthood to take the life of children 
that is a challenging thing for us when we stand up for the faith. A professor of ethics gave his students a hypothetical problem in class one day, and he said, now listen, students, there's a man, a man and a wife, and they have kids, but the man has syphilis and his wife has tuberculosis. They already have three children, and one has died, and the three others are considered terminal because of an illness that they have, but the mother is pregnant again. What would you recommend, class, that she and the husband should do? Should she or should they proceed and deliver their unborn child or abort the child and spare this child and the family and maybe others any unpleasantries and grief and anguish in life? Well, following the spirited discussion, the majority of the class decided that it might be best then that the mother should abort the unborn child, instead of risking all of the possibilities of a sickly child coming into the world. Then the professor turned to the class and said, fine, go ahead and abort the child. But do you know that I just described to you that you would decide then to kill Ludwig von Beethoven. That's his family I was talking about, and he was the fifth child. And you say abort him? God gifted that baby in ways that you and I both know are extraordinary. How different the world would be without this one treasure, and there are millions and millions, of course, but there have been millions and millions lost, too. More people have been aborted than have been killed in World War I, World War II, the Civil War, and Vietnam. There are 4, people, 4, 000, 4, 4 million people live in Chicago. There have been over 40 million little babies boys and girls destroyed. Isn't that like over 10 cities the size of Chicago? Thankfully, Beethoven was not sacrificed and he became a very important part of society. That was back at a time when society knew a little bit more than what they do nowadays, I think when they valued life more than today. And you see, God used a new Beethoven too before he was even born. He was a gift to his family, to the world, to the church. Jeremiah was a gift to his family and to the church. You, are a gift from God to your family and to the church. For those who might have gone the wrong way in life, who were told and lied to about what was really inside, and they went through the process of abortion, 
It is wrong in God's sight. But for anyone who is suffering from that and with repentance turns to Christ, there is no sin for which Christ is not paid for. He paid for that too, even though it is a very serious thing. But then all sin is serious. That's why Christ paid for all of yours and mine. Our Lord says to you in closing, I set you aside for a purpose. I have holy plans for you. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. In Jesus' name, amen.